entertainment, sports, culture. This is Raleigh Co. Radio, podcast presented by Raleigh and Company. another edition of Spooning with Dimitri. I am the aforementioned Dimitri Ravanos, that is. Very excited to, uh, con- well, very excited for two things. Number one, this week we get to continue our series of fun accents with Niall Hanley from the Hibernian. But I'm also really happy to talk to Niall. Niall and I have been friends uh, for about 10 years. Back when I was on 96 Rock, Niall used to come into the studio every Friday. Uh, he has great stories. He is insanely funny. And right now, excuse me, uh, I just uh, I just had a sip of water, and I think it might have gone down the wrong uh, pipe. I might start hacking up along here any second, so bear with me. Uh, at the very least, I might burp on microphone. Uh, but anyway, right now, there you go. Right now, Niall is uh, in the middle not only of sort of a renaissance of the Hibernian down on Glenwood Avenue, but he's getting ready to open the Raleigh Beer Garden. Now, in addition to that, he also owns the station and Solus and um, uh, the Dos Taquitos on Glenwood Avenue. In this uh, episode, I joke that he's sort of the king of Glenwood, and he's very quick to put that to bed. Uh, so anyway, this week, enjoy Spooning with Dimitri with Niall Don't you say nothing to me as long as I'm taking care of you. As long as I'm working, baby, I'm paying all the bills. I don't want no mouth from you. About the way I'm so close to you. Gotta be crazy, baby. That's gotta be. So when you guys, when you first opened on Glenwood, yeah. what did Glenwood look like? Um, and please don't just say a street. Um, it was... <laughs> Uh, um, it was red. <laughs> there was a lot of red brick. Um, Glenwood in 1999 was me. Well, Sullivan's had just opened. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rockford was always there. And uh, I think the Dillo, no, the Dillo wasn't the Dillo. It was something else, the Armadillo. the hell was it called? I can't remember. Well, the original Hibernian was the Interim Cafe, which was, it had a tiny little kitchen, little coffee shop, and then there was a TV repair shop beside it, and then we had sunflowers right next door to it, and that was it. And so that sort of explains why the original uh, pub had the setup it did. Yeah, just like the two, we we got the two front sections, and then um, I was lucky enough to be doing well enough to buy the building. Um, I want to say it was that year, maybe the next year, because there was nothing in Raleigh. I right. Mean, when I think about it, there was no Faithful Street. There was whatever was going on in Hillsborough Street, and there was nothing. Yeah. It was it like, again, and it's going on, what, 15 years now? So I remember a Friday night we were finished. I was actually inside varnishing the floor, mm-hmm. you know, because we opened it like for $67. <laughs> <laughs> So, so a lot of the work was done by us. All of the work was done by us. So um, I was varnished on the floor, and people were just coming up looking in the glass. It was like a puppy shop. You know? Right. When are we opening? When are we opening? So it was great. Um, and then we, we opened on the Monday. 
and it was, that was it. We were packed all the time. Yeah, great. and now you've become sort of, I mean, you, Niall, have become sort of the king of Glenwood. But I would, that's a very, very strong term, and I would say absolutely not. The king of being in debt on Glenwood. Because <laughs> <laughs> I keep building bloody buildings and rebuilding pubs, but... um. No, I mean, I just, I guess, I mean, just there the longest. I suppose yeah. I'm the, you know, I, that, that's a, it's lovely and it's a great title and everything, but there's, you know, Glenwood Avenue is met up now by so many cool operations and there's great operators on Glenwood. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what Sushi Blues is doing and you look at the Armour Boys, you look at, you know, Sarah Coleman Cup. There's just so many cool places, you know. Uh, Cornerstone, Dan up there. I mean, there's just a lot of cool people that have come to the scene and it's getting better. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think now what's happening on Glenwood in the next you know, six months, there's going to be three new places opening, mm-hmm. you know, including the beer garden. And we just announced another big apartment block. So I think for, for a long time, the way Glenwood evolved, we were the only game in town. Then downtown took off. Right. You couldn't build on Glenwood or you couldn't open anything for a couple of years because they had this weird, um, you had to have X number of parking spaces. Like mm-hmm. if you wanted, to, if you come up to me and said, I want to open a little bar or a restaurant, you had to have 30 or 40 parking spaces. Oh, well. There was none. Right. And they would draw a big circle on the map and within 800 feet of your front door, you had to have these, um, can I swear? No? Yeah, go ahead. Bullshit parking spots <laughs> that you would never use. Yeah. Right? But, um, you so know, did, did Hibernian get around uh, that because of that no, lot behind you? I had, I had 25 or 30 parking spaces for, Nearly 12 years. Oh, and wow. I paid, I don't know what that was paying, 25 bucks a parking space a month. It was all bullshit. Uh, 25 bucks per space, per space that you had or that you didn't have? No, I, well, I didn't have them. It was They were over in West Street. As long right, as they were right. in So that was the code at the time. Long story short, um, I decided to change the code. So myself <laughs> and I got, I got uh, New City Design, Ted Van Dyke, who's a rock star, to uh, work with me, and we changed the code. And then the new code said that you didn't need parking unless it was 10,000 square feet and up. Mm-hmm. So that kind of allowed us to do solace and allowed us to do the diner at the time, which is now Dostakitas Chaco. Um, same thing, the beer garden. I wouldn't have been able to build it because right. it was too big because you didn't have parking. Yeah. You know, but, um, but that was this. That was back in the day. Yeah, so to answer your question, there was nothing. It was great crack. So tell me a little bit... <laughs> So run up and down the street, my pants on my head, going, "Go on!" <laughs> run down no for competition. Me. It was brilliant. Yeah. Run down for me what all is in the in your in your empire, so to speak, right now. So there's the two high. You Hibernians. mean what me and BB and T own? Right. <laughs> yeah. What's all of the BB and T family at the moment? Um, what do we have? We got three Hibernians, North Raleigh. So you're still involved in the carry one? Oh God, absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's ten years now. Right? Yeah. So uh, it's just me, um, and then. Um, North Raleigh, uh, the station over on Person Street. We have Solace, obviously. Um, Dos Taquitos Chaco. Yeah, I always loved Dos Taquitos and Creedmore. Yeah, that was too. a great spot. And then I reached out to Carlos and we partnered up on that one downtown. Mm-hmm. And it's cool and it's great and I love it and it's a great store. But um, And then more recently, we're in the process now of building the beer garden. Yeah. Which is Kind of really cool. And the beer garden has kind of been a long time coming, right? That's sort of been a, a dream of yours for it's some It's not time. my fault. It takes a 12, 16 <laughs> months to get a building permit around here. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we've been working on that for a long time, and it just it takes a long time. The processing was very different, and, uh, you know, my ideas of what how it should have been permitted and certain departments in the city of Raleigh are always yeah. different. You know? So eventually, you know, you have to kind of come to a happy medium and you agree on what you're going to do and blah, blah, blah. So I think it took us about a year to actually get building permits mm-hmm. and we were off. So I'd say 1st of May. Okay. 
that was when we opened the Hibernian. It's my father's anniversary of his death, so it's always good luck. Yeah. So it seems like every time you've tried something in, in terms of, and, and I'll leave um, Dos Taquitos in the diner to the side here, but it yeah. seems like you try a lot of stuff that is, you're sort of like the, the pilot for Raleigh. Like, will this work here? Yeah. Um, the beer garden Solace was kind of a new concept for, yeah. for Raleigh when you opened that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about the Hibernian. I wasn't here at the time. Well, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> I always kind of looked at the street to, you know, for me, I was very, you know, if would I do things differently, if, if I could go back, I probably would have bought more property down on Glenwood, right. or, excuse me, Faithful Street. Mm-hmm. But again, um, I'm not really, I don't care so much because there's a huge paradigm shift. I think just Glenwood is kind of becoming a little bit older again. Yeah. You know, there's actually, you know, you go to Faithful Street and it's great and there's beautiful concepts and it's very busy and all that stuff, but that's the point, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but we're kind of, I think, catering to, if you look at some of the concepts, they're <clears throat> a little bit more, I think we're catering more to an older crowd. Yeah. You know, even Solace, um, you know, Solace kind of as an older crowd that goes into the nightclub, et cetera, et cetera. And we're looking at doing some tweaking there as well over the mm-hmm. next 12 months. Solace has been a place where you've kind of done uh, a lot of tweaking. I mean, that, that seems like a place that you have sort of uh, been learning what it was as you go along. Like, well, here, here, the funny thing about that was when you think about it, um, you know, we opened that in 2007. Right. And what happened? I opened in August. It was maybe it was two thousand eight. I can't believe it. I, I just I remember us sitting around Mike Cartel's table before we were drunk at his yeah. uh, St. Patrick's before, Day party. You've shown us. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tripled uh, after. But um, <laughs> but I think the funny thing was we we opened and um, what happened two months later the entire global economy right. collapsed. You know, so that was a tough one, and I think it, a bit of a testament that it stood around. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but. You know, we adapted it. We we moved it around. And the beauty about that is, you own the bricks and mortar, you can do whatever you want. You know, right. like we always adapted and morph it and change it. And, and I'm looking at doing some cool things down there now as well. As the street now, the population is coming back. You know, it's a yeah. big sixteen thousand square feet. You know, yeah, it's a big building to fill. What is it? Uh, what is the uh, influx of apartments on Glenwood done in terms of like a regular crowd for you? Um, I think we always struggled with um, daytime business mm-hmm. and also the parking. You know, it's okay for in my opinion, meters downtown, meter all day long, but right. we don't have any parking. Right. So you've got these guys that come up here and just tick the hell out of you if you're, you know, they're hiding around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Predatory. I said that. <laughs> um, so it's it's tough. It's always been tough. So I think what's happened now is that the fact that you have at least residents coming in and there's, you know, there's some talk of some cool retail stuff coming. Mm-hmm. Um I just think it's all heading in a much better direction. I mean, the city's just exploding, so it, right. it has to go somewhere. Uh, all the residential stuff just makes your evenings much better. You know, yeah, instead of a lot of smaller businesses, you know, we'd always we'd look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, it's okay, but then you make your money at the weekends. Now, actually, we see ourselves being a lot busier during the week because people are coming out to their homes, walk the dog. Yeah, right there. Sandroot had just announced another. I think it's 179 apartments over beside the West. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. And, and it's, it's, it's been a good shift, too, because like around the time they reopened Fayetteville, yeah. everybody was building those sort of apartment complexes down here, and they were having trouble filling them. Well, and so, it's, I mean, it's good that that's Well, changed. that's the funny thing about the economy is what you have right now is you have all of this talk about we're the best this, we're the best that, boom this, boom that. Yeah. But people still are finding it difficult getting mortgages. Hence, you've got this right. huge demand on, on, on apartments. Right. Um, now, the apartments are getting pricey, too. Uh, the only thing that concerns me is that you know they're going to start pricing people out of the market. I mean, a two bedroom now in Glenwood is like seventeen hundred bucks. Yeah, Jesus, it's nuts. Yeah, that's almost my mortgage, and I have a five bedroom yeah, house. you know, and that's the hard thing. And I guess maybe it, it's catering to a lot of young professionals that are coming. Mm-hmm. I guess we're getting IT, all this sort of stuff, whatever. Apart from that snarky 
bastard from Charlotte. That's, did you see that article? <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually laughed my ass off. I thought it was priceless. This has to be a joke. I guarantee he was trolling. He had to be. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all good. Anything that's, in my opinion, that's bringing people is great. And I think that the pace of development is, is smart. I think, it's, I think the projects are all cool. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you and what brought you to Raleigh. Because I know when you first came to the States, you were in Boston, right? Um, when did I come to the States? I came to the States in 1994. And I came to Boston. Yeah. And my first job in the States was at the Black Rose in downtown Boston as a bouncer. <laughs> God help me. Ever, well, but for people that have never met Dial, he is gigantic. I am. I may be gigantic, yeah. Now I'm kind of spreading out in the middle as well. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is his age thing. It's like my birthday on Friday. I'm like, good God. <laughs> How old are you going to be on Friday? I was. <clears> oh, you were. I was 37. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 37. Thank you. You, you look spry. Yeah, move on. <laughs> So you come, but you're a bouncer at the Black Rose. Is this sort of, because uh, I know at the Hibernian, you've done a lot to bring people over from Ireland to give it an authentic, give the pub an authentic well, it's like, feel. Well, well, it's hard to get people. You know, the other thing too, we'll have a lot of J1ers that'll come in on student visas and things like that. And back in the day, there wasn't a lot of choices. I mean, we used to have a awful lot of Irish staff working for us, but then they grew up, got mm-hmm. married. You know, it's very funny. People will come in and reminisce. And when you think that we're open 15 years, I, I always think that in a good pub, uh, or, a, or a neighborhood bar, it rotates out maybe every four years. Yeah, people grow up or get sense. <laughs> <laughs> Stop drinking, get married, have two kids, can't go out anymore. You know, get divorced, come back drinking again. Right. You know, so it's like an eight-year cycle. I yeah. <laughs> but um, we, yeah, back in the day, I mean, good God, we had so many. But um, again, same thing. Everyone gets married and moves on and gets bigger jobs. And yeah, and that's the funny thing. A lot of people don't take the whole the restaurant business as a career. I mean, it annoys the hell out of me. You know, right. I go, well, I've done okay with it, you know. Well, me and BB&T have done okay with right. it. But, it, you know, it affords me a good living, and it's, it's, it's great. And I think if you have the ambition um, and the drive and a work ethic, it's about hard work. I right. think an awful lot of people, too, look and say, oh, I want to open a restaurant, and then immediately they're outside the bar with a cocktail. You know, well, that doesn't yeah. work. You know, I mean... If people remember me, I was behind the counter for like three or four years, bartending, managing, cleaning toilets, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't stop either. It's just that you have other things to do, so you have to go on. Yeah. But um, yeah, Boston, um, uh, how did I get down here? I came down here, um, I used to, I, I actually wanted to fly helicopters mm-hmm. full time. So I was doing flight classes in Boston, was doing all my commercial stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And there was one time I flew a helicopter from Boston to Fort Lauderdale, um, just under destruction for this, some rich kid from Cape Cod yeah. wanted to fly his helicopter down for the winter. <laughs> and we got stopped here because of bad weather. It was a really cool town. Yeah. Um, that was Raleigh, and we actually stayed overnight. And an opportunity came up then over in Durham years after. And that was the James Joyce, yeah, right? Yeah, and then we parted ways there with myself and the guys that were involved in that and found the location on Glenwood. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it went from there. I think we were open six months, and we tried to buy the building and bought the building and went from there. So do you still fly helicopters ever? Oh, God, no. I haven't. I'm too big. <laughs> they have fat ones now. <laughs> it used to be 240 pounds pilot in command, right? right. <laughs> I think I've exceeded that by about yeah. 35. I exceeded that by 20. So, <laughs> <laughs> Unless I fly a big sea king. If you want to give me $5,000 an hour, I'll rent it, yeah. So what, what was the plan? Was the plan to be an instructor? Or fly no, no, like... no. The goal was actually to go back to Ireland. Oh, really? Um, when I left Ireland, I, I have a degree in horticulture. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go back and um, actually work in horticulture. I had a big landscape business back there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the plan was to work search and rescue. Really? Yeah. My old flight instructor in Ireland, um, Robert Goodbody, um, 
is now actually the chief pilot for um, for the RLI in Shannon. Uh-huh. So that's a big Sea King, like the Air Force One helicopter yeah, yeah. job. So you work 24 hours on, 24 hours off. I'll be damned. That was the hope, the dream. <laughs> and then America got a hold of me and I said, I love this country. I'm <laughs> never going back to that wet place, Ireland. So was it really as simple as you got stopped here for bad weather and just thought this is a good place to settle down? That was it, yeah. And then conversation about the dirt. And I said, I remember I've been there. It's pure luck. It's ridiculous yeah. how stuff happens, you know? Yeah. Um, I often wondered if I had gone to like California or somewhere else, would I be like in the movies? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm much better looking than that bugger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every movie he plays a cop, where at some point someone says, Dan, you've been a cop in New York for 50 years. Yeah, yeah, they, I know I have. <laughs> Jesus, he's diabolical, though. I, I don't know. I, I like him as an actor, but oof, just, it's the same every time. Yeah, this time of year, there's the I, Liam Neeson revenge movie. Liam Neeson, Santa Claus, I will find your chimney and kill you. What? <laughs> Come on. Anyway. So tell me a little bit about, uh, let's go back to the beer garden. Yeah. Real quick. Tell me a little bit about the original concept. Are there all the pictures on the wall? Well, no, they're just little ideas. So this is kind of like a little ideas board for design and stuff like that. Um, well, well, okay, so, so take me through the whole thing from the moment you have the idea to what is the process before you get to, okay, we're buying the building and this is how we're going forward. Well, no, I think it's use of the building. I mean, the whole the, the beer garden for me was speculating. Years and years ago, I, um, I bought that building, God, eight years ago, mm-hmm. nine years ago, and um, just said, what the hell am I going to do with this? You know, the idea was to always open a restaurant or do something with it, and the market was going up at the time, then the market crashed. Right. So then it was, well, you're not opening anything, forget about it, sit on it. So it became our office and a very expensive office. Mm-hmm. So um, over the years, so now I've got a partner. So Cliff Blazinski is actually involved. Right. You know, Cliffy. So he's been a good buddy of mine for years and years and years. From, and, formerly from Epic Games, right? Yeah, he sold yeah. off his... Now he's boss key. Okay. He just opened a big new studio downtown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks very cool. But anyway... Um, so we got to talking one time. I want to say it was a couple of years ago. We always kind of skirted, but we never really bothered. And then he kind of said to me one time, I said, so what's going on? You got anything going? And he was after making a gazillion dollars. And I <laughs> right. said, well, you have a gazillion dollars. You know, I've got a building. Throw some money in. I'll throw some money in. We'll go from there. So um, the concept behind it is just, I mean, the whole trend with beer. It's like, you know, when I have a space, I kind of look at it and say, well, what am I going to do with this? Right. It's, it's not that I'm going out to seek. You have to sit and watch the market, in my opinion. Right. Um, and, you know, beer is great. And there's some incredible microbreweries. There's some incredible brewers. Um, what the hell do I know about it? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we skirt the idea about doing a brewery, et cetera, et cetera. Because being in the business, it would behoove us because, you know, you're buying your beer cheaper. Right. But you've got all sorts of weird licensing laws and all this sort of stuff. So we just decided, I mean, I, you know, I thought about it. And I said, well, why not just buy and have them all? You know, mm-hmm. Flying Saucer over the years has been a great store, great concept they do really well um and it, it works you know so for me it was about catering to all these microbreweries i mean we'll have microbreweries that'll approach us all the time and try to come into hibernian and they have to sell i mean the big thing is you know right. every, we only have like 12 lines at the pub but we make sure that they're good lines you know? right we need to get into a little bit more crafty beers too as well but you know we are a pub so we got to have certain things and you know mm-hmm. i think the biggest mistake you make in the restaurant business is trying to be too many things to too many people right you know stick to what you're good at and kind of leave it at that um so what better than just having the beer garden? Mm-hmm. Um, I love the whole indoor-outdoor stuff. So the beer garden concept is like like the walls of the Hibernian. It's all indoors. It's all outdoors. There's a rooftop space. There's, you know, the second floor all opens to the outside, to the inside. I mean, it's it's cool. It's very, very cool. 
Um, and we're going to have 366 draft beers. Wow. So, you know, if somebody comes to me and they're a smaller um, brewery, you know, and they want to sell and whatever, we can take it. Mm-hmm. So we, well, our, our plan is to try to have practically all of the North Carolina beers right. in one place and then whatever we can left over somewhere else. Yeah. You know, look for some small batch stuff, do some launches, that sort of thing. <clears throat> so that's in the back. There's two big beer halls. There's a beer hall downstairs and a beer hall upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the front section... Not <clears throat> dissuading the ladies, we want to do cocktails. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a little cocktail bar, which is two stories, and we're going to call it Spiritual. Ah, I see what you did there. That was Cliff's idea, actually. <laughs> fair play to him. I'm the designer. He comes up with some good ideas, fair play to him. So, um, you know, we want to do craft cocktails in front, and we want to do the beer in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, And again, it was an idea. I remember being up in, in New York at the Standard Hotel. And they have a lovely beer garden out the back under the subway line. Right. So they actually they have actually separated it off. And I thought it was just a very good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be a beer experience where people walk up the bar and go, Jesus Christ, what I mean, right. what am I going to have? Right. See, I remember having that experience the first time I walked. I don't know what it is now, but when uh, they opened it like briefly under the name Cherry Bomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they had like 70 taps. I can't imagine yeah. the, the uh, that overwhelming feeling of 360. Overwhelming feeling. That's a song, isn't it? <laughs> tagline that yeah but, that but, I, want, but I want people feeling. to come up like you know do the flights do all that sort of stuff and the big thing with that number of taps is you know not doing backups you right know, we, we want to come out the gate strong and actually have all the, the product so you know if we run out we don't care you know, yeah we're going to say all right listen we're out try this yeah uh, yeah very cool it wants to be a beer experience and we're going to have so many similar type products that they can people can do comparisons mm-hmm. um food wise um right now we're going to do thin crust pizza gourmet yeah whatever gourmet thing Chris Pizza is. But, you know, I know what a good pizza is myself, so we're messing with some recipes. Uh, charcuterie plates, cheese plates. Uh, we're going to do a good burger. Mm-hmm. Stevie wants to do that. Um, good wings. No, I was kind of hoping you'd do a shitty one. Yeah, well, you know, have you ever tried the burger that I'm burning, by the way? I have, yeah. Or the station. Not the station. Dude, they're awesome. Yeah. I'm telling you. No, I, I <clears> love <throat> the burger at the high burning. I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. I've seen you eat 17 of them in one sitting. <laughs> Fat bastard. <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding. You're a skinny bastard. No, you've lost a lot of weight. But um, hot dog, not hot dogs. Um, locally sourced German sausage mm-hmm. and maybe a good pretzel. So when you first see this setup at the Standard Hotel, yeah. what what is the – do you come back and immediately say, I know what I need to do with that building? No. Do you- so for me, the, I, I think the funnest part of all of this for me is the design. Yeah. I really enjoy the design. I mean, I've got a great ops guy, Steve Nacci, on, and he'll tell you, I'm, my head's all over the shop, mm-hmm. you know. So he's very numbers-orientated. He's very detailed. He drills in, you know, and I'm a great believer in, you know, have people that are good. It's like I talked about. Deviate from what you're good at, and you'll probably screw up, you know. Right. Can I say it? Yeah, please. Oh, you can on this thing. You will probably it's the, fuck up. It's the okay. internet. There are no rules. Yeah, so I'm used to seeing you at 90, or 96 Rock. <laughs> so, um... So the whole, you know, for me, it's about getting right people. But I've discovered over the years that I love the design element. I love the build part of it. That's kind of what floats my boat. Mm-hmm. And then when you see people in the space, interacting with the space after right. it's done, that just makes me go nuts. Yeah. You know? um, so it's an ongoing process. Like New City Design does all our, um, you know, formal plans that we submit to the city. And then the design and the interior and the layout is always kind of my stuff. Yeah. So he'll tell you. Like, I mean, every job costs 150 or 200 grand more than it should because I'm changing my friggin' mind. You right. know? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's literally, I stand in the space, there's no drawing. You're putting for- BBT executives in your boats, <laughs> is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, Ricky. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
you know, so it's a case for me. I've got to be in the space, and as I see it go, I'll get ideas from everything, yeah. and then I'll modify them to what it should be. Like, you know, in the beer garden now, we're putting in a 40-foot tree. Mm-hmm. So the first place I saw that years ago was actually in my buddy's pub back in Ireland, Max Wiggins. They just got a big tree. But I was thinking about it. It's a beer garden, blah, 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 blah. And as yeah. we go, you know, we use a lot of old salvaged wood, and all of the – there was a, a lot of pecan trees in the back lot. So we salvaged them, mm-hmm. lumber them, and we made a kiln out the back. Oh, very cool. So we're actually using those as the countertops. That's awesome. So it's that sort of shit that really – you know, I want to, as it comes together, mm-hmm. but it's never done till it's done, you know? Right. And I'm still making modifications on the pub. Like, we want to do some coverings outside on the beer gar- or the Hibernian on the roof deck and whatever. It just, it doesn't end. Yeah. Well, I remember when Solus first opened, you were there pretty, pretty regularly and always outside. And I never, you know, we'd be sitting inside and eating. I could never tell what you were doing, but the there was gar- a lot of big hand movements going on. I'm the gardener. <laughs> They make me plant all the bloody plants. It's great. <laughs> so I'm sure you've talked about the uh, fire that took the uh, original yeah, pub to God. death, and yeah. I know a lot of people have heard the story, so I won't. I don't want to recap it. But was there? I suppose I don't have kids, right? And I think uh, it was so weird. It was just like surreal. I was just standing outside the place crying. Mm-hmm. It was odd. Yeah. And I, I suppose the only thing I can equate it to for the pub itself was, I suppose, having been in it so long and being such a huge part of my life so long. Yeah. And for all of us, like for Jerry and for all the lads at the pub, and uh, was just, it was just devastating. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, uh, even for all of us that were at 96, that was the home base for yeah, so long. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it was just, it was weird. Surreal. You know, and it's gone. I miss it. Yeah. I, I do miss it. And, you know, there's always an opportunity. Yeah, it's nice to bring, to build it bigger. But then you've got people that'll say, well, it's not the pub anymore. Of course. And But that builds. But that goes back to the whole idea that, you know, when you have a business and people move on, they will, you know, they'll 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 harp on one particular thing that doesn't, you know, there's a reason I'm not, the reason you're not there is because you're married and, you, you know, you can't. But you know what I mean? It's tough. Right. For, I have to make the best. There's nothing I can do. I can't bring the damn thing back, you know? Right. Um, as much as it breaks my heart. Although... Before I die someday, I'm thinking about recreating the the front little bar that was yeah. in the high burn because I just that was cool. I love that pub. Yeah, it was there uh, was part of what helped you sort of personally heal or whatever the right word is. Uh-huh. Was it the ability to design again? Um, I think it always takes my mind off stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, again, I don't know how to describe it. I suppose if somebody has a wife and kids and you have children, you're wrapped up emotionally in what the kids do. And right. Somebody described to me one time, he says, you know what your problem is? It says, you substitute children for pubs. <laughs> you know, or yeah. pubs for children, excuse yeah. me, or concepts. And I half thought about it and said, well, maybe there's a reason I didn't get married. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the funny thing for me is when I was younger, I never had enough money to get married. Right. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I was 24 in Boston and, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, it just, it didn't make sense. Right. But it never made sense. There was never a good time. Right. And then the older I get, the older I set. I'm not saying I won't. I mean, you know. Well, I, but you know what? The whole time I've known you, it's always made sense to me that you do what you do because, you know, when people ask me about, oh, what's dial like? It's, oh, that's my friend that's an adventurer. You know, that's, that's my friend that sailed around the world at one point. <laughs> well, as I said, that's the problem. The problem, the older you get, the more set in your ways. You right. Know? So you kind of go, well, would I be able to adapt to that yeah. sort of a situation or whatever. So maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Maybe the uh and I think to answer your question, yeah, it did, definitely did. I mean you want to get stuck in and you know, for me you want to make a I just wanted to get it back. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing was the outpouring. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it only equated to me like um like my mother and father dying. That was the feeling. Mm-hmm. So then when all of this outreach came, you know, unlike death, 
well, I go, well, I can bring this back. I mean, right. People really want this back, so I'm right. bringing it back. Was there ever a thought that you might not? Oh, Christ, no. So I was saying I was bringing it back that night off. Yeah. It, was very fu- it wasn't very funny. Well, I suppose, look, in Ireland, we consider death sometimes. You look at the humor of it, you know, and you think about the good times. But we all walked down to Solace. Mm-hmm. So my sister was over from Ireland, Bernadette. So she comes out and run around the place, putting a jacket on me and blah, blah, all this right. shit, you know. <laughs> love her dearly. Love you, Bernie. But um, <laughs> they, we kind of had a wake down uh-huh. at Solace. So everybody involved in the pub and friends started showing up when we were downstairs on the first floor. There was soup and sandwiches, shots of brandy, this sort of shit. So we were, you know, get out of here after five shots because we're half of the bag, you know. But it was like that. And we started laughing and talking about good times. And it was just, it was kind of surreal. Yeah. But it's the only thing I can equate it to is awake. And I think anyone who's experienced a fire understands how devastating it is. One of the negative things I remember seeing is just sort of that. You remember when, when Fayetteville first started, yeah. not uh, not. Uh, not first open, but first sort of started to to take off kind of over Glenwood a little bit in a way, and that was where the hipster crowd was. Yeah. You know, there was just the, oh, good, that scene is gone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Well, I, I think the funny thing is that, you know, the keyboard is a is a, is a mighty tool. Absolutely. But, but it's a, a very cowardly tool, too, where you can just throw something out there and not defend your honor. I'd love to see the internet where you've got some sort of DNA coding. Right. <laughs> right. You, write, you write anything, your name comes up, and yeah. that's it, you know. Well, that's, you know, uh, the comedian Jay Moore has a great uh, joke about, you know, for instance, like, Niall Hanley would never tell uh, Julia Roberts to get AIDS and go die, but Corvette guy 112 has no problem saying it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, let's see. I don't know where I want to... Well, let's talk a little bit about your adventuring before uh, adventuring, before God. we wrap up. Because you, you are a guy that, as long as I've known you, it's not rare that you're in Raleigh, but you spend a lot of time doing what you want to do. I do a lot of cool stuff, yeah. I mean, I... Well, I suppose cool stuff really is, you know, I'll go to Ireland a lot. I'll hang out with my buddies a lot, um, go sailing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if adventuring, you mean like acting like a pirate and <laughs> drinking rum and falling off a boat every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did. Uh, I don't know where the hell was I. What's the most ridiculous one? Um, I broke my ankle on a sailboat one time in the Caribbean. I remember that. I don't know where the hell we were, but uh, I had to get like in the You back. had to get helicoptered to the nearest island, right? Well, it was it was awesome. You got insurance, I tell you, you know, <laughs> in from American Express is good. Yeah, um, the, we. I was in the middle of nowhere, uh, Myru, little island called Myru somewhere, uh-huh. and uh, broke the ankle. Had to be put in the back of a boat, put in the back of a, a pickup truck, brought to the dockside, uh, put in an open boat, went for two and a half hours. And I remember sitting there. The guy, one of my buddies, Tommy Smith, he just goes, "Here, take this." So he gives me a bottle of rum. Uh-huh. So we're just drinking. I'm just drinking. And he hears me holding my foot, but the foot's moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he had a wave, I'm going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> really? It's necessary? Yeah. So uh, spent the night. Brought me to, where the hell did they bring me to? I want to say it was Union Island. I can't remember. It was somewhere. It's a long time ago. But um, went in. No doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't give me painkillers because I was drinking. <laughs> well, we'll give you papers because I was absolutely fucking hammered <laughs> on rum, rightfully so. And they put my foot in a box. It was the strangest thing ever, right? They had a cardboard box, no plaster, no nothing, because they didn't want to x-ray it or anything. Yeah. Right? So put it in a box and put tape around it. So I'm just sitting there. And they prayed. I'm just sitting there shit-faced. I had my cell phone. They plugged it in, and I called, and I got airlifted out. So they came and got me the next day. Yeah. So the, the Jesus, did you, you must not have slept that night. Well, no, you probably passed I, out for being I drunk. It was warped. It was great, yeah. yeah. But I mean, then the next day, like, you're kind of going, okay, um, we need to get to see somebody here because this yeah. thing's kind of looking a funny color now, you know? 
But they got back. We was back in Raleigh that that evening into Rex Hospital, and they did surgery at three thirty in the morning, and that was grand. Yeah. Now I looked like my right foot swallowed an onion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was it, really. Talking about this sort of reminded me of something else uh, that I want to talk about with you because I remember seeing the foot. Because you got back like just in time for St. Baldrick's <laughs> that year. the foot. The foot, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You got back just in time for St. Baldrick's that yeah. year. Uh, that is now a part of something every Raleigh bar does, and it all started with you. Yeah. I mean, it all started with the Hibernian yeah. uh, St. Baldrick's celebration. But it's great, and it's raising money, and it's, you know, the whole purpose of that was, that was all Sharon Delaney. Right. You know, I mean, I think she just wanted us to host an event, and I said, well, sure, I need a haircut, and we, it started <laughs> that way. Um, and it's easy to do. I mean, my right. God. You've been out there. You've been involved for how many years, you know? Um, you know, why not? <clears throat> it's just, and it's kind of blown up to something. And now I guess lots of places are doing it, and it's good. It's just bringing awareness. Yeah, I remember the the first year there was this sort of underlying, like this sort of whisper going through the place of, we're pretty sure the health inspector's not showing up today, right? That we're cutting hair in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, blowing out into the street, remember? <laughs> yeah, the first one, we had them sat up on chairs. It was like five chairs. Yeah. And like every time the wind blew, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. My fish and chips. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, because it was set up on five chairs, and we were all, like, the chairs were right in the yeah, window, yeah. so all the air was blowing back into the bar. Yeah, it dipped, yeah. It was great. <laughs> well, now, thanks a lot, man. This is a lot of fun. Well, that will do it for uh, today's Spooning with Dimitri. I forgot to mention earlier that the uh, song I picked is Paying the Cost to Be the Boss. That is a B.B. Uh, a King original. The version that you heard was B.B. Uh, King and the Rolling Stones. I thought it was appropriate uh, because as Niall detailed, why he, while he is sort of thought of as the king of Glenwood Avenue, uh, he, uh, it costs a lot of money to be the king, as, uh, as he points out. Also, I thought it was appropriate to do the Stones version as uh, it was just announced that the Stones are going to play Carter Finley. Uh, later on in the summer. All right. Uh, again, we're at one of those weeks where I have no idea who the guest is going to be for next week. So uh, until then, it will be a mystery to uh, both of us. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, if you are not already subscribed on iTunes, please do so. And please uh, be sure and leave us uh, a rating and some positive feedback. All right. I will uh, talk to you next week. <laughs>